Father, we ask for your blessing on knowing your will. Uh, Seeking to do your will in this life is the highest calling, and I would pray that you would make it clear. We understand that your teachings and your truths can be so simple. It's just getting our wills in line with them. And we pray that as we go through this, our wills would diminish and yours would increase. But I pray that you would fill us full of knowledge and the ability to use that in such a way that glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. Knowing the will of God, Psalm 119, verse 33 says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. And of course, that's the King James Version. Occasionally, I like to read from that. Also, if you haven't done so already, I'd like you to take out your Bible because we are going to be opening it up to different scriptures. And I like to highlight scriptures and make a chain reference if I can. That's why I have a Thompson chain Bible, chain reference Bible. I can go from scripture to scripture on any subject and it works pretty well. And John Bunyan in the book Pilgrim's Progress, and by the way, if you've never read the book The Pilgrim's Progress, uh, I would read it. I would get a hold of it. It was written several hundred years ago. And it is enlightening. And when it was written, it was written in Elizabethan, Elizabethan English, kind of like the King James English. Uh, and they do have updated versions, and they even have kids' versions of it. It's a pretty good book. It says in that book, As to the second to wit, Mr. Superstition and his charge against me, I said only this, that in the worship of God there is required a divine faith, But there can be no divine faith without a divine revelation of the will of God. And so you really can't exercise your faith unless you know what God's will is, his revealed will. In Harper's Bible Dictionary, it talks about doing God's will as this. In the kingdom of God, one's food is to do the will of God. And citizens of that kingdom are enjoined to progress from simpler to more solid forms of spiritual food. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 5 talking about the milk, that many people are on the milk of the word instead of on the meat. And the meat is actually doing the will of God. That's what it translates into. So as you have your pen or pencil out, you're going to be filling these in, and I will read to you the scripture verse before I give you the fill-in. You might turn to Romans chapter 2, verse 2. And again, this is, uh, this is Christianity 101. Um, it, it's as basic as it gets, where you're able to look up some scriptures and you just go, oh, okay, and you just write it down. It's not that complicated or it's not over our heads, really, to speak of. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And it is God's will that you know his, fill in the blank, will. God wants you to know what the plan is. That's why he told us about where we came from. He told us about morality. He told us how to get meaning and understanding. And he told us where we're going to end up. He wants us to know his will. 
Secondly, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. I just flip over the pages there to get to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. You need to be used to flipping or on your electronic device getting around it, knowing where to go exactly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. So it is God's will that you avoid sexual immorality. Now, this one is rampant throughout the world. It is becoming the modus operandi for our culture. Uh, It is surrounding the kids. Uh, It is available, sexual immorality, all forms of it are available on the Internet, on the cell phones, uh, just in conversation, what people say all the time and and where this lasciviousness and uh, debauchery is what it used to be called, where this constant bent Toward sexual immorality is at the forefront, and God says, Come out and be separate and do not be involved in that. Thirdly, in Second Peter chapter three, verse nine, a few more books over, if you want to turn there. I'm going to give you the fill in. It is God's will that all are saved. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, this particular verse in your Bibles, you probably need to highlight it because people shake their fist at God when they understand who God is and that there's going to be a judgment and some people are going to die. They blame God for that. And God is not willing that any person lose eternal life or the chance at eternal life. And so he presents it to everyone. Everyone gets a chance. But some would object and say, well, what about the people who live in the tribes that have never been reached with the gospel? God gives them a chance too. Our God is just. He is not unjust. He will never condemn somebody without giving them the gospel. And you just have to trust that he does that in some way. There are missionaries who are out there that talk about these tribes which they have reached. One in particular story I remember where these missionaries talked to the people about Jesus Christ. And they said, well, you know, we always knew who he was, but we never knew his name. And so God had revealed who God was in Jesus Christ and that he had a father and he was in heaven and he came down to earth. So these guys had the gospel. They just didn't know the name of God, and that's what the missionaries did was fill in that information. So God is not willing that any should perish, and so he reaches out to everyone. There is no one that is beyond his reach. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. I'd like you to turn over there, number 4. First Thessalonians five sixteen. It says... Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So those are the fill-ins. It is God's will that you are joyful and that you pray and that you give thanks. It's pretty simple and straightforward stuff. Um, Even in your own household, do people prefer you to be joyful? They do. And they try to do things to make sure you're joyful, right? If somebody has an affinity for 
spaghetti, you don't serve them okra, right? Or Brussels sprouts or something like that. You, you want them to be joyful. God does the same thing for us. He puts us in life circumstances that can bring us joy, and we're to remember those times so that we don't get discouraged. And also we're to pray. And we're to pray constantly without ceasing, Scripture says. Now, Eric, did you do on prayer? That's the one you did? <clears throat> so we are to pray at our waking moments. If you wake up in the middle of the night, that's a perfect opportunity to pray. As you're driving down the road, you're supposed to pray against the temptation to text. Uh, you're supposed to pray for the other people on the roadway. Uh, you're supposed to pray under all circumstances and under all situations and at any time that you think about it. And also give thanks. You're supposed to be a thankful person. Giving thanks enables you to not feel entitled. A person who feels entitled is not thankful. And so is that the mode that our uh, society is in? Are we thankful or are we feeling deserving? We are feeling deserving. I, I talked about this with a couple of people on Sunday. Uh, there was one place where these refugees coming out of Syria, they were planted in an airport, and it was somewhere in Europe. And they were inside the airport, and I think there was several hundred of them. And uh, reports were coming out of there. First, there was a picture of it and how they had left just an incredible mess. I mean, there, there was food, there was trash, there was clothes, and you saw just a couple of workers in the area trying to pick up all the stuff, and then reports were coming out of there how they, they were deserving of stuff and how come they didn't have it for them, and just this ingratitude that is being expressed by the people, what, it made it to the media. And so there is a spirit of ingratitude, and that is the self-focus, that is the narcissism, that is the, I deserve this, even the, uh, what is it, uh, you deserve a break today? Who is that? McDonald's. Yeah, I did it my way. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra did that. Yeah, so this this focus on me, myself, mine, you know, that is definitely of the world. The person who is thankful does not consider themselves over someone else. And that's Philippians chapter 2 that talks about that. Going on to the fifth one that is there in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. So God wants us to be able to present ourselves to him. And if at any time, and I, the view I have of God is a loving father. And that loving father, if they are loving, at times they will, he will discipline. Any father will. And when you were a small child, did your father call you to account? Did he say, come here? You know, we had that several times, a Marine father with four boys in the house. Uh, he would line us up, and we'd all have to stand before him as small children, and we would have to give an account. We'd have to tell him what happened, what took place. Uh, and there was this fearful expectation of applying 
the belt of understanding, or the belt of correction to the seat of understanding, right? And you guys probably all had similar instances of this, but when my dad would speak up, even the neighbor kids would run. And, and we would have to come into the house and, you know, he would talk to us about what was going on. And so that is the view that I have of our Heavenly Father, that he is a loving Father. He provides for us. He gives us everything that we need. He wants us to be joyful. He wants us to be able to do his will. He wants to remove all encumbrances and hindrances to that. But at the same time, we are going to have to present ourselves to God. We are going to stand before him. And I don't know exactly how this is going to happen, but each one of us is going to have to give an account. We're going to have to say what we did and how we handled ourselves. I'm sure our failures at that particular point will be brought up, and he'll, he may ask us questions about that. And again, I don't know exactly how this is going to happen, but that is the point at which we will be given our reward, our wood, hand, stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones, whatever's left, the gold, silver, and precious stones after the baptism by fire, which you guys just learned about. When that is all said and done, that's your reward. So he's going to make us give an account. When that happens, we want to make sure that we have studied, that we simply haven't taken his word and set it on the shelf, that we've actually opened it up, that we've read what it says in there, and we've tried our best to apply it. Now, everyone is going to fall short. But Scripture says a righteous man falls seven times, and seven times he gets right back up in the book of Proverbs. So even though we won't reach perfection in this life because we have this encumbrance, again, of this fleshly body, it wants to do its own thing, and our spirit wants to do another thing. We're always going to be warring against that. So it is God's will that you are in the Word. That's number five there. First Peter chapter 2, verse 15 for number 6, it says, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. It is God's will that you do good. Now, give me some examples of doing good. Anyone? Helping the poor. There you go. That's like, that's one of the top on his list. Helping the poor, uh, visiting the widows in their affliction. What's another one? One at a time. Obeying the word. That's right. And we just, we went through that. Yes. Share the gospel. What about orphans? That's another one. Right, right at the top of the list. The poor, the widows, and the orphans. We're supposed to reach out to them. Now, as a church, we support an orphanage over in uh, Cambodia, and there's an opportunity, uh, maybe in Mexico, I've been talking with Ron Brink down there, we may end up doing something a little closer, and he kind of has a handle on some of those orphanages, but also the widows, and it's widows who are truly in need, not widows who are probably getting along, just want to complain and don't want to do anything with their family. But he's talking about the widows who are in need when he describes it in Scripture. Okay, what are some other ideas of doing good? Helping your church family. That's right. Put it into practice, right, what you believe? Yeah, so if uh, somebody has to move. I had one guy tell me once he'd be re- he would rather be beat up by five guys and left in a ditch for dead than move somebody. 
is what he said. <clears throat> but if somebody wants to move, it is our job to make sure that they are well supplied with any vehicles, any manpower, whatever it is. We're supposed to sacrifice that time and go and help. It's kind of like a barn raising that the Mennonites do. You know, they'll raise a barn and they'll just have the whole community come over. That's our job as well. Can you think of some more? Yeah. Check in on sick people. You know, that's only the pastor's job. Yeah. <laughs> that's all of us. All of us are required. If you know that somebody is ill, go and visit them. Yes. Visit people in jail. Yes. When was I in prison? Or when, when, when were you in prison? And when did we, do, did we go and visit you? That's correct. Now, how many have been to a prison, a real prison, to visit somebody? One, two, three, four, five, six. Good for you guys. How many have gone to do ministry? Oh. <clears throat> now, see, it is scary. I have been down there, and it is scary. I mean, you walk in with those guys there, but God calls us to minister to those people. And uh, they, are the, they, they are the murderers. They are the rapists. They are the thieves. They are the angry guys. They, they are the worst in our society. And you are put into a room that's probably half as big as this. And it's filled with them. And they all have tattoos everywhere, even on their faces. And half of them work out and pump iron. And some of these guys, the reason that they're in there is because they're so big. There was one uh, kid that used to go to the church here. His dad was the president of the Mongrels. And he lived in uh, Ramona. And he came to the church. He died several years ago. But uh, his son, I think his son was six foot six. At least he would have to bow down to come through a door, especially if he had a hat on. He was just a monster of a kid. Well, his dad, being the president of the mongrels, he got saved, but the son decided to follow in his direction or fall in his past direction. And I, I don't know if he's still in prison, but the guy was just mammoth just huge you know his hands would just encompass your head he could twist off your head without even thinking twice about it and you go into prison and you got guys like that because they're so big they're so powerful they're so into themselves that they'll just do whatever they want they don't care what the law is if they don't have the right upbringing there are people that are very gentle that are that big but inside of there you have these people and God says go visit them go meet them and when we were in this one particular room, the chaplain who was there uh, for overseeing the prison ministry, his wife would go in and she would sit with us. Now, these guys were so protective that if anybody tried to attack his wife in any way, the rest of them would have killed him. I mean, that, and I'm speaking literally, they would have taken the guy to the side and just pummeled him. But these guys, you know, they, they did the worship and they were just hungry for the word. They just wanted to know what it was. And so that is doing a good deed. If you can assist a widow who is a widow indeed that has nobody else, if you can visit an orphan and assist an orphan, if you can go into a prison and do ministry,
if you can do any one of those things, God will bless you for what you have done. And that, that is where you gain the gold and the silver. Because it takes a, a little bit of humility to be able to do that on a regular basis. So if you're looking some, for something to do, and you think that would be a great idea. Now, most people don't think that that's a great idea. But if you think you want to do it because the Lord's calling you, I would invite you, go ahead, do it. Jump in with both feet. They'll give you an orientation and a prison, and you'll be able to do that. So that's definitely good work. Now, those are the tops of the list. Now, these are the things that God tells us that are his will directly. He just says, it's God's will, or this is my will for you. And so it's like first grade. It's information, that's his will, this is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, There's a Decalogue that codifies ten things that are his will. What are those? I think one of your kids can do them in order, right? Mariah, can you do them in order? The Ten Commandments? Wait, nice and loud, I want you to almost yell it. There you go. <laughs> well done. Now, if we had the memorization abilities of, how old are you, Mariah? Ten. Of somebody who's ten years old. And by the way, even if you're 60, God made the brain. Remember Moses? Oh, I can't do it. Uh, I'm the contrary. God made your brain and he can give you the ability to memorize or some tricks to do it. But if we were to put God's commandments in our head, not just the 10, but there's hundreds of them that are in there. If you're able to put that in there, you would certainly be doing God's will. Psalm 119, is it verse 25? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Is it verse 25? 11. I'm sorry. I got that one wrong. See, my mind is failing. Now I have to go back and memorize it again. So it's this idea that we hide his word in our heart and we can know what to do. Now with all of those, the cumulative effect, if you need to know something that isn't specifically addressed, how do you know if it's God's will? For instance, should I marry this person? That's a big one for a lot of people. Should I marry this individual or should I not marry this individual or what about should i move should i go to this particular city should i not go to that particular city and are the reasons you're choosing are they spiritual or are they physical are they uh, human wisdom based in human wisdom and so you want to declare to god hey god i want to know your will on this and so these are some of the decisions or change a job God, should I change my job? Should I leave? Whenever God wants to move me around a little bit, he just takes it away. It's like, okay, that's fine with me. You know, I'll wait right up to the end and and uh, just be done with it. And that's how God can move as well. But how do you narrow it down? We know specifically a lot of things that God tells us we can do and can't do. For instance, 
can we marry somebody who is not in the faith? Sure, you can. Should you? No. Who knows where that is besides Eric? Nope. 2 Corinthians 6. What is it? There you go. Somebody has that down, and that's great. We're not supposed to marry outside of the faith. So if somebody comes up, especially to me, and says, we want to get married, are you both saved? No. Sorry. I can't participate in that. Unequally yoked. That's correct. Could you explain what that means to be unequally yoked? (laughs) Okay, what does it mean? What did it mean to them back then to be unequally yoked? What would they have thought of when... Okay, so are they unequally yoked? A matched set of oxen. In other words, you wouldn't have a donkey matched with an oxen. Because what would happen? Yeah, the ox would pull the donkey along, right? And the donkey would lose its footing and just be dragged is what would happen. And he would go off in the wrong direction. Well, that's what happens if we're unequally yoked, both in business and also in marriage. So God says don't do that. So... Uh, to fill in the blanks here on number seven. Has he said no or has he said yes? And I gave you the Ten Commandments or we got them from Moriah. Second Corinthians chapter 6, 14. I gave you guys that scripture. Or Nate did, I should say. And also, if you want a quick method on finding out, is this God's will? You can answer that by answering one of two things. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. You're going to know what it is when I say it. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you want a blanket answer to whatever it is you're trying to decide, number one, will this glorify God? And number two, does it show that you love him? And number two, are you loving your neighbor in doing this particular thing? If you want to find out what God's will is. And so uh, in the case of being unequally yoked, you wouldn't be loving God because you're not keeping his command not to be unequally yoked. So that's the overall scheme of things. You got two tennis balls, so to speak. And those two tennis balls are the two commandments. And if God... if those are fulfilled, if those two are fulfilled or one of them is fulfilled, then it's going to be okay. And it wouldn't be, well, I'm loving my neighbor in doing this, but I'm not loving God. They will never contradict. They will always be in unison. If you are loving your neighbor, you will be loving God. Okay? Going on. Number eight. Are you asking in order to heap it upon yourself. In other words, do you have selfish motives? James chapter 4, verse 2. I'll just read it for you. You want something, but don't get it. You kill and you covet, 
but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so you're, you're asking God for something for yourself, but God doesn't necessarily want to give you something that's for you. He wants to give you what he wants for you. That's how it works. And of course, as we draw near to God, he draws near to us and anything that we ask according to his will, he provides for us. And I think we're going to get to that one in just a minute. Number nine, is it wise? You can ask yourself, is it wise if you do something like this? I'm going to give you another example. Uh, When we were not yet in ministry and we were at church, we were going to uh, Calvary Chapel North Park, which later became Horizon. And I can remember this couple. They hadn't been married for very long. And we were over at what was called the Family Center over there. They just built this place for all the kids to hang out. And they would do fellowship meetings and stuff like that there. And this couple that we knew pretty well, he was a, a spender. He would have impulses and he would just buy something. And so they would go from time to time to garage sales. And he went to this one particular garage sale, and he wanted to buy some scuba equipment. And so he just decided to buy it. Now, scuba equipment, even back then, if you're just buying it for the first time, can be pricey. Well, come to find out, the wife objected to it. And what he said as his justification was, well, look, you know, it was there. It seemed like it was a good prize. I just went ahead and bought it. And, of course, at that time, the wife's eyes are rolling. You know how you ladies do that? Kind of like that, you know, just rolls around on the top of the head. And he said, you know, if God doesn't want me to have it, he'll make it clear. The stupidest answer he could have ever thought of because you mean you're going to run out of money that particular month because you bought your scuba stuff. He goes, you know, God provides. It was just a foolish decision for him to do that because they were struggling already. And he went, I think it was a couple thousand dollars he spent on some of the scuba gear. And it just incensed his wife. Now, there is a a couple side to this. If mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? And so he could could be out there scuba diving underneath the water and something could go wrong. What's she going to tell him when he gets out? Serves you right. You know, she's not going to say something like, oh, I'm so sorry you didn't have a good time. And he is just sowing these seeds of discord and doing that. It wasn't a wise decision to make. On top of that, he was testing God, right? He was saying, well, you know, if God doesn't want me to have it, then I'll just run out of money. But I'm trusting that God's going to just give me extra money for this this particular month. And so it was just incredibly unwise to do that. James Chapter 3, verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from the heavens, or from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy, selfish ambition, There you will find disorder in every evil practice. And this is what you need to remember, what wisdom looks like that comes from heaven. 
But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So if you want to know if something is wise, you just remember James chapter 3, verse 17. And you should highlight that and star it and be able to go there. Put it in your memory if you can do that. So is it wise? Maybe, maybe not. You'll know by the definition given in James 3.17. Number 10. Proverbs 8.17 reads, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. Uh, Number 10, the fill-in. Seek after God for the answer. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, is it, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, there's an adjective there. Earnestly. Somebody give me some synonyms for earnestly or a phrase that would help describe earnestly. Is dedication. dedication. Sincerity. Sincerity. With sacrifice. Right? I know we don't like that word, sacrifice. <clears throat> but that's what he's talking about. He says, so those who seek me half-heartedly. He doesn't say that, right? Those who seek me only sometimes. He's not saying that. He says, those who seek me earnestly that you put your full faith and effort into whatever it is you're seeking after God for, and he will honor you, and he will answer you. And when that answer comes, because you have sought after him so earnestly, you're going to be blessed. The answers that I have received in my life and how you know I sought after God earnestly, God, do you want me to do this? And do you not want me to do this? Boy, when that answer comes, it's just like, Wow, God answered this one just exactly as I asked him to. And I'm just, my socks are blown off. You know, Mike McIntosh used to say that. It blesses your socks off. They just blow off your feet because you can't believe what God has actually done for you. And as you pray, your prayer may be modified because you're trying to pray according to God's will, what he wants for you. And then when that prayer gets honed in just right, when that frequency is just at its optimal setting, God says, here's the answer according to his timing and according to his will. And that is the greatest thing you can ever experience, but it requires an earnestness. It requires those who seek after God who are willing to do anything to find out what God's will is. So if you do that, you'll be blessed. So seek after God for the answer. 11, remember the providence of God. Providence means God's care over creation. Romans chapter 8, 28. You guys, most of you are familiar with this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good, for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Does God work for those who do not love him and have not been called according to his purpose? Just one no, huh? One yeah. (laughs) Not quite sure, huh? 
Somebody who is unsaved, does God work for their benefit as well? Yes, he does. But when, say they're not a believer and they turn to God and say, God, will you hear my prayer and answer this? No. Can he choose to? Okay, what if he starts seeking after him with all of his heart? Well, God's first going to say, are you saved? Get saved and seek after me like that, and then you're doing the whole will of God, right? So God, there are some times where God will choose to oppose somebody. Everywhere they turn, there is a roadblock. Give me somebody in Scripture that ran into a roadblock wanting to do do something for God. Jonah. No, Jonah didn't want to do something for God. That was just the opposite, right? Who who was somebody that tried to do something for God and God said, "No, you will not." David, what did David want to do? And what did God say? Why? Why did God say it? That's right. He was a warrior. He was a killer. There was blood on his hands, and he says, you will not do it. And he was storing up everything. He was making the plans, and how can I dwell in this palace when God, you know, he's in a tent. And so he had this thing in his heart to build God a temple, and God said, no, you're not going to do it. Your son is going to do it. And so David still got all the stuff together for his son Solomon, King Solomon, to do it. Is there somebody else that wanted to do something that God said, no, you will not? New Testament. Name starts with a P. (laughs) Good guess. That was a good guess. You had Peter or Paul, right? So what did Paul want to do? He wanted to go to Asia. And every time he had set off in that direction, God said, nope, you're not going there. Now imagine if he let Paul go in that direction. He could have just kept on going over to China and over to Indonesia and all of those places over there. And the gospel would have gone that way. As a result of not going there, the gospel went in the opposite direction. It went all the way through Europe, all the way north, up into Russia. You had the Orthodox Church over there. It went south, down into Alexandria, into Africa. And then it went across the ocean after hitting Spain. Because Spain, who went from Spain to America? Christopher Columbus. And if you read anything about these guys, Christopher Columbus or the Pilgrims or William Bradford, all these guys, they were doing it for God. They wanted to come over the Puritans. They wanted to just worship God. And so then it spread all the way across the United States. And the United States started reaching out. I know this from 30 years ago. Started going into China. Brother Andrew. You guys ever hear of Brother Andrew? Hudson Taylor, Open Doors Ministries. They would smuggle Bibles into China, and the church in China is huge. And now they're getting some persecution. They built a huge church over there, and the Communist Party tore it down. They said, not allowed. And so the gospel is coming all the way back around. I have this feeling by the time it saturates the earth and makes it all the way back to Jerusalem, it's done, and we go. And that's the end of it. And so the gospel is going throughout the entire world. But this is God's providence. He prevented Paul from going in the opposite direction. 
He sent them through Europe instead of over to China. And when God does not give you what you want, God could be opposing you. Uh, I've had that happen. You've probably had that happen where you're trying to do something and God says, no, this will not be the case for your life. And, uh, you know, each one of us, I'm sure, will have some, or you've already had some great disappointments when God says, no, that will not be the case with you. I'm not going to permit it in your life. And we have to be submissive to that. Even though it may be painful, we have to be submissive to that. Twelve. We can ask for wisdom. If you don't know what God wants you to do, ask for wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That would be like... You know, I asked God to do this particular thing for me, but he won't answer me. You know, he never answers me. And God says, that man should not think that he's going to receive anything. Or that woman, by thinking that, if you're pursuing after God and you're asking for this and you're praying according to his will and you're doing so earnestly, God says he'll provide it for you if it's in his providential care for you. We have that promise both from Jesus and from the Father it is spoken of clearly in scripture so ask for wisdom and he doesn't find fault with you he doesn't turn to you say you uh, on monday you have this really big favor to ask for god and you need wisdom and you say god will you please give me wisdom he doesn't come back and say excuse me you weren't at church sunday he doesn't do that he says without finding fault without judging you for what you haven't done or what you should have done He just gives you the wisdom. How great is that? What a gift. Now, who was it that was offered, you guys, some of you are going to get this right away, who was offered riches, wealth, and power, could have that, but he chose wisdom instead. That's right, Christian. It was Solomon. Solomon was offered by God. He, He goes, you blank check whatever you want. You just, here, here's the check, you fill it in. And God said, I'll give it to you. And God was so thrilled that he asked for wisdom to guide his people. He goes, I'm going to give you all that other stuff you didn't ask for either because you asked for wisdom. And he was just thrilled. That has a whole other thing to do with the omniscience of God. But God was thrilled that he would ask for the wisdom. So you can ask for wisdom. Now, how pleased will God be if you ask for wisdom I think the same thing applies. If you have the wisdom, you don't have to worry about the riches because that'll come because you're acting in a wise fashion. 13. Abide in Christ and you'll receive whatever you request. It says here in John chapter 15, verse 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish. 
and it will be given to you. What a promise. Now, I love how Jesus knew who he was talking to and knew that they would comprehend, they would understand what was being said. Now, back then, they had vineyards. I have a vineyard that I take care of. It's only 24 plants, but it takes about two hours a week to get up there. And I clip off all of these vine branches that are just going haywire, and I take them and I throw them to the side. And when I throw them to the side, before I'm done, they have withered. You know, I've been thinking about this in John here, chapter 15. Wow, Jesus knew exactly what he was saying and who he was talking to. And then at the end of the day, I'll gather them all up instead of burning them, because I'd have to have a permit from the fire department to do that. I'd put them in the trash can, and they hauled them away. But all the vine, uh, vines that remain attached to the root, attached to the trunk, they are producing fruit. And uh, there's, actually, there's a couple of places I take care of. One guy, he got 25 bushels off of six plants. It's just incredible amount of fruit. And you know, when I go there... I never hear the grapevines struggling to produce the fruit. There is not a single peep out of them. They're just hanging out. So if you abide in Christ, anything that you ask for, he promises to give you. I mean, that's an incredible promise. You can't even say that of your parents, right? Or your spouse. Honey, if I hang around you, will you buy me a new car? No, I won't buy you a new car. You know, it's... All of these things that you think you could ask for, for God, just ask for them. Now, you might ask to heap it onto yourself, right? So you want to keep that in mind. You've already learned that. The final one, we have a guarantee, G-U-A-R-A-N-T-E-E. John, chapter 14, verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So he was talking to the disciples. We have two examples here of God says, ask me anything. You guys, if you don't have what you desire from God, just ask. For instance, have you asked, God use me? Have you asked that? I've heard so many people say, I don't want to ask that. Why don't you want to ask that? Because he may have me do something I don't want to do. God will only give you what his desire is for you. If you're walking in him, that will become your desire as well. And then when you actually do it, you'll be going, wow, this is great. This is a fantastic walk. But... If you're not abiding in the vine and you ask for something, you're not going to get it. Then you're going to have a lackluster walk and you're going to be disappointed all the time. And you don't need to be. So I would encourage you guys, ask God, can you say, God, wherever you want to take me, take me. If you want me to move, move me. If you want me in another job, give me another job. If you want me in another house, tell me where to live. I'll go live there. If you want me to get rid of my possessions, I'll get rid of my possessions. If you want me to, and you fill in the blank, do you trust God that much that he would do that? Again, there's a lot of trepidation with people. No, he may ask me to do something. He will transform you in the process, and a lot of that may not be pleasant, 
But at the end, you're going to be one happy person entering into those gates. All right? So any questions about the will of God? Okay, so we're going to pray to ask God to use us. All right? Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we make this request that first we are able to deny ourselves and abide in you, to seek after you with all wisdom, to give you all glory and honor that is due you, to be studious, to be in your word, to understand what it says we should do and what we shouldn't do, things we should avoid and things that we should participate in. And as we do this, Lord, we would ask that your desires become our desires. And right at the top of the list, we desire that you would use us. If you already have, we ask that you would use us more. If there have already been lots of opportunities, help us to train others, Father, to take advantage of these same opportunities. We desire to be a hundredfold producers in your kingdom, and we request, humbly so, that you would accomplish this in our lives, that by the time we die, we will produce 100 times what has been sown in us. This is our desire, Lord. We understand it is your desire that we produce fruit. And we thank you for the chance. In Jesus' name, amen.